welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, May 3rd. We have such a fun weekend of tennis ahead of us. Beyond the usual ATP and WTA Michigas, this weekend is the start of the 2019 NCAA Team Tennis Tournament. Obviously, the men's and the women's sites, everyone sent off 64 teams among 16 regionals uh, for both the men and women. So 32 regions of sites. That's 32 times four. I'm doing quick math in my head, but 128 matches of tennis. That is certainly a ton of fun for us as tennis fans. If you want to follow any of that action, if you need to get caught up on any of the action going into that weekend, if you've gotten lost in the college and need your tune-up on what's going on on the pro tour, check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. A ton of great content on there. Obviously, if you need the more instant updates, our social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, our various podcasts. This one, the Great Shot podcast, the Cracked Interviews podcast, the What the Deuce podcast. I believe they had a new episode come out yesterday, so be sure to go give that a listen. But joining me to help preview what is certainly going to be an incredibly fascinating weekend of college tennis as well as professional tennis, making his third podcast appearance of the week. He is a former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net. I call him the personification of tennis cocaine, and of course, Max Rothman initiated the nickname Matt the Cracks the Koyak. Matt, welcome back to the Mini Break Pod. Yeah, thanks, Gruskin. Three pods in one week, man. I don't know how you do this every <laughs> single week. I'm I, I'm getting tired, man. But look, I got it. Plenty of energy for this one. It's gonna be fun. It's funny. I listened to a. Did you listen to the Low Post podcast? It's a basketball one. Ah, uh, I don't think I've heard it yet. All right. Well, shameless plug, and they should pay me for promoting it. But they did. A, it's a basketball podcast, and the ESPN journalist Zach Lowe did an interview with Stan Van Gundy. I have now found your voice double. You and Stan, the exact same mannerisms. You gotta love Van Gundy, man. I, <laughs> I, I, I thank you for that comparison. I, I'm flattered. No, it's the tenacity, it's the passion, it's just the exuberance with which you both speak. It's very much sticks out. The point is, I heard him, and I didn't think, wow, Stan's great. I heard, wow, I heard shades of Matt Stachowiak in Stan. <laughs> so that's how highly I think of you, and that's how much I appreciate you continuing to come on this week. But... As I mentioned, we've got a ton of stuff to talk about with all of the college tennis going on this weekend and it being a Friday start for a lot of the men's side of the tournament. What Matt and I are going to be doing today as quickly as possible, running through all of the regions of play, letting you listeners know what you will see if you turn to each team's website, looking on their play site courts, who's playing where, when they're playing, give you guys the rundown of that. We'll also touch on some cool results from Munich, Esterol, and of course the conclusion of the USDA 2019 Roland Garros wildcard challenge for the men. Matt, with that said, you ready to talk a little tennis? Absolutely, man. Let's get into it. All right, let's start, as I mentioned, with the college teams. And we're not going to go into crazy depth. I believe being released simultaneously, if not right when this mini break is released, then a little bit later on Friday. I just recorded an hour-and-a-half podcast with Luca Corintelli breaking down the teams we think going into this have a chance to win the men's title now. Unlike the past 10 years, it feels like there are a bunch of teams you could make a case for, and that's kind of been the overriding narrative we've talked about all season long. 
But you look at some of these first weekends. Let's start with the top seeds and just kind of breeze through. Uh, number one seed, Ohio State hosts Cleveland State, Notre Dame, and Vanderbilt. Now, of course, the Notre Dame team, they beat UVA early in their year. They qualify for the national indoors, were incredibly dangerous, and win healthy with Lydbedev and McCormick, who have been missing. They're certainly a, a tough team. They push Wake Forest to 4-3 in the ACC tournament quarterfinals. Vanderbilt, an SEC team, they've been through the ringer. They pushed uh, Mississippi State 4-2 in that conference tournament loss. But, Matt, you don't see Ohio State being tested this opening weekend, do you? No, no, I really don't. Them being at home, I just, you know, I, I would like to say, you know, Notre Dame could maybe put up a little bit of a fight, but are they healthy? I mean, I noticed Alex Lebedev what, was in their master lineup, so... You know, if he plays, that's definitely a big boost for them. But, you know, you mentioned their injuries throughout the year. Lebedev, McCormick, and Richard Ciamara actually missed a bunch of the year as well. Some important matches. So, yeah, I just think it's going to be tough for, for any of those other three teams to take out Ohio State, especially at home. And we don't have to dwell on this region long. I assume you're picking Ohio State to advance out of it. Uh, I am at, at the very least. I would say the biggest thing I'm looking for the Buckeyes this weekend, one, are they healthy? I know they had some sickness and stuff, issues going into the Big Ten tournament, but they've had some time to get over that. Number two, are they sticking with Selig and Cobalt at two doubles? Sometimes they've played with Trotter. It'll be interesting what that decision is. And then three, is are they able to play outdoors this weekend? This is a team constantly when you talk about Ohio State in postseason time it's have they gotten enough outdoor matches to have themselves ready for this NCAA tournament hopefully it doesn't rain in Columbus this weekend this uh, starts tomorrow 2 p.m. Eastern for the Buckeyes 11 a.m. for Notre Dame Vanderbilt the finals Saturday 1 p.m. first of all Matt any final thoughts on the Buckeyes to those points and then yeah do you see them advancing this weekend Definitely see the Buckeyes advancing this weekend. I'm not picking against Ty Tucker uh, this weekend. But like you mentioned, I mean, if it does happen to rain, I don't think they'll mind. I think they would gladly go indoors and finish that off. So Counterpoint. Ty would not be glad. He's like, we know what we can do indoors. I need to see us outdoors. Well, I, I, I hear you. But at the same time, if it, you know, if they got to go inside, you know, they'll be feeling just fine. So either way, indoors, outdoors, wherever, uh, they're coming out of this weekend for sure. And and the other thing we should say, we're, we're recording this before we know if the lineups have been challenged or not. Is it going to be Joyce 3, Seelig 4, you know, Cobalt 5, and then Tubert 6? Are they going to mess around? It's just, that's what you're monitoring for Ohio State is what is the lineups they turn to this weekend. But as Matt and I mentioned, neither of us particularly concerned about them moving on. So let's move on to our next region. Number two seed, Texas hosts Tennessee Tech in the first round match. Then if they win that, they should advance to play the winner of Alabama and South Florida. Now it's funny, Andy Katz, the CBS reporter, uh, college basketball reporter, did the selection show. He predicted Alabama to upset Texas in that second round of his bracket now. I imagine, Matt, you are not going to do that because Luca and I just spent a hour, not the entire hour and a half, but a certain portion of it laughing at that pick. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm picking Texas this weekend. No way I'm not. Um, but I actually think I, I picked South Florida over Alabama in the first round. Uh, their head coach, Ashley Fisher, was just named uh, coach of the year in their conference. So they've actually had a pretty darn good year sitting at 17-7 and seven overall. I think they can take out Alabama. And then, you know, Texas, you know, to me is still deep. They've got a solid lineup throughout. I, I like, you know— there's not really a weakness where I, I look at their lineup and I go, yeah, you know, that's the spot where, where they're probably going to lose. So, you know, 
Alabama, South Florida, whoever comes out of that matchup, I just, I don't think they can pose enough problems. And I just don't think they have enough firepower to take out Texas, especially in, uh, in Austin. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You mentioned that Alabama team strong up top. I believe Osama was top 10 in the country last year. He hasn't been quite as good this year, but uh, there's certainly it's certainly a, a match to watch with Alabama and USF. Both those teams, USF kind of got hot at the end of the year, if I remember correctly. Uh, so it, it, it's going to be interesting to see both of these teams compete. Uh, real quick note on Texas. Obviously, this is a senior team with a ton of experience. Uh, it's funny, you actually, if you go to slam.tennis, where they have a ton of great coverage, obviously the championship central, they will give you their percent chances of what they think the matches will turn out. They have Texas as a heavy favorite tomorrow, 99% chance they win. Um, but just moving forward, you know, are who are they going to play at number six? Are they going to go Banzer? Are they going to go uh, a different direction? Another team, you're looking more for lineups than results, right? Because they should steamroll through this region. Yeah, I think so. And, and, you know, no matter which way they go with it, like you said, they have options down there at the lower part of the lineup. So, you know, I I think no matter which way they go, it's going to be good enough uh, to get out of this weekend. It's just a matter of trying to find out who's going to be successful when they get further on in the tournament and have some tougher competition. And just so you know, for slam tennis, Alabama, South Florida, they have it. Alabama, 71% chance of winning. Alabama ranked higher. They have a higher UTR power six. Uh, they have high. Uh, actually, you know, go check out Slam Tennis because it really is a very cool. They have a bunch of things. Record comparison, last ten matches, shutouts, one point decisions, a ton of cool stuff. So be sure to go check out their website because if you don't think we're giving you enough depth on some of these first round matches, you can be sure to go check that out. But again, I think we both agree Texas probably going to have a pretty easy weekend, so we can move on from there. Which, of course, leaves us with the number three seeds and coming into this weekend, the Florida Gators, who obviously had as interesting of a conference tournament as anyone there. The team I wrote about in my most—one uh, of the teams I wrote about in the tennis recruiting article previewing the NCAA tournament that went up today. Go check that out. Sorry for the self-promotion, Matt. They host the Florida Quad, Florida Gulf Coast— uh, in the first round, and then they would play the winner of John Roddick's UCF and Florida State. More than anything, and I feel like we keep stressing this for these first three, you know, top seeded teams because we're grasping at straws. But for them in particular, what they do in doubles and at the bottom of the singles lineup, keep your eyes on because we really don't know what they're going to do come quarterfinals, semifinals either. Yeah, I completely agree, and I I think they submitted an interesting doubles lineup when I was looking at it. Uh, you know, they had, I can't remember exactly what it was. I think they had Crawford and Perez at two. They had Ingoldson and uh, maybe Kessler at one. And then they had, who was down at three? It was like Andrade and... And Vale, maybe? And Vale at three, yes. So those were some interesting doubles combinations that I noticed uh, that they hadn't really played much throughout the year. So I'll be interested to see if that, you know, how that goes down. But I just, you know, Florida's been my team all year, right? You know that. I picked them long before the season started. I, I Of course, I'm picking them to come out of this weekend at home. Um, but I think the Florida State-UCF match could be really good. I noticed that Aziz Dugaz was submitted in FSU's lineup. That would be a huge boost if he was able to play. He hasn't played since, like, January. So that would be big time for them. I think that could be a good matchup. 
But then, you know, whoever comes out of that, I'm not picking against Florida, man. I'm just not going to do it. You know I'm not. So, it'll. like you said, I think the lineup thing is going to be interesting, especially in doubles. I'm going to keep an eye on the doubles more than anything with them. No, I agree with you. And real quick, you mentioned that Florida State-UCF match on slam tennis. UCF a 61% chance of winning. Kind of shocking, given that Florida State is the higher-ranked ITA team, higher-ranked USTA team. Uh, slightly uh, higher UTR power six of 80 versus 79 for Florida State. But yeah, it's going to be a close matchup. I agree with you. I think the Gators are going to roll. And because there are so many regions left, we can move on from there. Any final thoughts on that region? No, that's it, man. We can move on. All right, cool. Well, then let's move on to the number four seed uh, team. Obviously, we are all familiar at this point. The defending champion, Wake Forest, Demon Deacons. They host Morgan State in the first round, and then we'll play the winner of Kentucky and VCU. I mean, another team lineup. It seems like Estafalu, they're going to get away with playing him at five. That feels like highway robbery, but whatever. I mean, you know the recipe for Wake Forest if they get in trouble. Hope Gojo wins. No Hrisokos is going to win. Be 99.9% sure Botzer is going to win as well and then find the fourth point. And I don't think this weekend's going to be—I think they're going to be fine. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're going to roll in these first couple matches. I just—I don't think any one of these teams has as nearly enough juice in their lineup to, to give Wake any problem at all. But— if you're the Deeks, you got to focus on doubles. They've really struggled throughout the year with doubles. They've lost several points. I've seen them myself. So, you know, they need to just solidify that, make sure they come out in doubles, take that first point, and then, you know, we know they're going to get three pretty quick ones, I would assume, you know, between Gojo, uh, Krisokos, and Botzer. You know, if they need another point, they're going to get it at four, five, or six. So, yeah, should be pretty yeah. straightforward. And we're not trying to be rude when we blow over some of these other matchups. There's just so many regions, and we're just trying to, again, let you listeners know how much tennis there's going to be. So we're trying to hit all of them in a reasonable amount of time for the deep dive on the contenders, as I mentioned earlier. Check out the Great Shot podcast. Luke Corintelli, the former UVA doubles All-American and three-time national champion, and I do a deep dive on our favorite teams heading into the tournament and the paths that we see for them to get to the championship. So, yes, uh, we can end this region here. Wake Forest is going to steamroll, right? Yeah, I think so, man. All right, awesome. Well, then let's get to my first interesting region I would say that we've hit thus far. That, of course, is number uh, five seed UVA, who doesn't host the the toughest of first match in St. John, South Carolina, also a pretty easy first match in ETSU. But this South Carolina team, number four player in the country, Paul Jubb at number one singles, they gave Mississippi State all they could handle in that uh, SEC semifinal. This is a young team on the rise, a ton of talent. I mean... I think they could scare the Who's by taking doubles and maybe one of the matches at four or two of the matches at four through six. But I just think Virginia a little bit too strong, you know, one through four. And in the end, that should be enough to get them through here. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think I think UVA could easily take the doubles point as well. I mean, South Carolina, you know, they're, they're a solid team. I mean, they play in the SEC. They had a pretty good year. They've got good players. But to me... UVA is an elite team. I mean, they're they're the five seed. They're a top five team in the country for a reason. I, you know, a lot of people were talking about South Carolina, you know, causing some problems. I think it, it may be a little bit interesting. I'll definitely have my eye on this match. But at the end of the day, the, I mean, there's no way that I, I would pick against, against the Who's in this one. I mean, I think, you know, maybe two points 
to South Carolina at most. So South Carolina is a really interesting team. They've had a, a pretty solid amount of success this year. They go 17-9. and nine. Uh, You look at some of their losses. They lose to SC, but that's not a bad loss at all. Uh, they lose to Mississippi State. Not bad. They lose at Tennessee and at Georgia on the same weekend. That's just tough scheduling. Uh, lost to Texas A&M. They lost a bad match at Alabama at the end of the year, but... I mean, this is a team that's beaten a lot of the teams they're supposed to beat, a good win over Louisiana State, and then they get revenge over Texas A&M in the conference uh, quarterfinal in the, of the tournament. They, a ton of depth. I mean, this is a really good team, one through six. You, they can get wins at the doubles point, and then, you know, you've got Jubb, you've got Rodriguez at two, uh, Rafael Lambling's been playing good at three, Yancey Dennis at six has got a bunch of experience. It's a fun team to watch. You're right. I don't expect they'll beat the Who's, but... A 4-2 match wouldn't shock you, right? No, it wouldn't shock me. And, you know, you mentioned their losses. I mean, they just, they haven't beaten any elite teams, right? Those big guns mm. in the SEC, the Floridas, the Mississippi State. Well, they beat Texas A&M. Texas A&M, okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's, you know, that's a that's a great win. But, you know, Virginia's on a whole other level, man. I mean, they're a top five team. I just, I, I like Virginia. So, I think Virginia has a chance, you know, to make the semis and possibly the finals of this whole thing. So, you know, we'll see. But well, we're, we're never going to hit our time agreement if we spend too much longer on this one. I just, I'll say this, and then if you can get a final thought in as well. I watched way too much of that SEC tournament. I saw, how, you know, Paul Jubb had Nuno on the ropes. He was up a set, and they were holding deep into that second set. They were almost, you know, he. I think he had a break point to go up a break in that second and would have given them a 3-2 lead. And at that point, who knows what happens. What I'm saying is we don't, this is a Virginia team that despite having Henrik and Carl from those national title teams and Ashwin, who didn't play but was integral to the bench, as Luca explains, they may have some experience, but they haven't been the favorites in a while in an NCAA tournament. It's just things change. You forget what it's like when you've got that target on your back. So I think it's going to be a good match. All right. Yeah, that's fair. We can leave it at that. All right, perfect. Well, then let's move on to our next region, the number six seed, Baylor Bears, who obviously are playing host to my home team, the Michigan Wolverines. They, Baylor matches up with Utah in the first round. Michigan matches up with Max Fliegner's Dartmouth team. Um, we're going to hold off the slander of Dartmouth-Michigan. We're just not even going to say anything about that match, though we should say Slam Tennis has Michigan 79% uh, chance of winning, Dartmouth 21%, so we'll just leave that there. If the percentages hold, Baylor obviously a heavy favorite, 98% to 2% over Utah. Uh, you know, Baylor knocked off Michigan 4-1 earlier in the year for Michigan. It's going to be crucial. They get the doubles point, which they just did against Ohio State. But, uh, you know, this is a Baylor team took the doubles point on Texas and is obviously coming off of a Big 12 championship as well. Fenty's playing sweet for Michigan, but you just worry two through six. There's probably not enough steam. So Baylor's the the heavy favorite in this region, right? Yeah, I like Baylor a lot. Um, Notice how I didn't let you talk to talk down my Michigan Wolverines. I'll just get it out of the way for us. Well, that that works. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm down with that. No, I I mean, I actually think that's that's going to be an interesting match. Michigan has enough to make it a, a pretty interesting match. I think starting with the doubles, Michigan to me plays pretty darn good doubles. So if they could somehow sneak out that point and and go up one, you know, all of a sudden there that puts some pressure on the Baylor Bears and then things could end up getting a little tight. So we'll see. But like you mentioned, 
you know, two through six or even, you know, three through six. At the end of the day, I think Baylor's just a little bit deeper. They have, you know, more at the lower part of the lineup. So I do look for Baylor to advance. But I, I have my eye on this one. It could be a fun match. It could be closer than people think. Let's put it that way. We played our – we, Michigan played its Super Bowl against Ohio State at home in that Big Ten semifinal. And that we won the double – we, again, won the doubles point and three first sets and lost the first three singles matches on court so quickly. I'm worried. It's it's a tough matchup, but I'm not calling an upset. I'm leaving that unfiltered. No. Yeah, you're taking the Bears, though? It- I'm taking the Bears. All right, totally fair. Well, we can move on from that matchup now, although somewhere Max Fligner is shouting, go green, and so we got to give Dartmouth some love. Always rooting for them. Happy to see them advance as well. Um, But let's move on to our next region, the number seven seed host Mississippi State. Uh, They are hosting Alabama State. Tulane, who Chris Halliors would swear, always gives Mississippi State a hard time, and South Alabama. Again, for the sake of brevity, I love where Mississippi State's heading into this tournament. I see them cruising. What say you? Yeah, I I agree for the most part. I mean, Tulane's an interesting team. I I do like that team a lot. I think they're solid throughout their lineup. They, They could... They could make it a little bit interesting, I think, with MSU. But, I mean, there's no way I'm I'm picking against the Bulldogs, especially in Starkville. I, you know, MSU comes out of this one. But, you know, if, if we do get that second-round matchup with Tulane, I'll have my eye on that one just to see some of those scores because Tulane's a, Tulane's a solid team. I, I do like them a lot. Well, they went from the national indoors to like losing in the quarterfinals of their conference tournament. They've had a very up and down season. Um, I don't know. Again, I, we're at the 21 minute mark 22 and we've only hit seven of the region. So yeah, Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to our next one then. The number eight seed USC Trojans hosting Northern Arizona and then the winner of San Diego and Minnesota for reference on slam tennis, that San Diego, Minnesota match. Minnesota is a... Let's look it up. Sorry, you're hearing. Oh, a Minnesota 25% underdog to San Diego, 75%. San Diego team, I feel like it was a couple of years ago, maybe it was earlier this year, that they gave UCLA or USC all they could handle in the uh, Pac 12, or maybe it was to qualify for the national indoors. My brain is scrambled. It's been a lot of podcasting. Now, my point being, I, I saw uh, USC. I have not gotten to see San Diego play much this year, but I think just this USC team peaking at the right time. They've been so good since beating Texas at Texas. Yeah, completely agree. I do have, for what it's worth, I, I do have San Diego over Minnesota in that first round. I do like San Diego to come out of that one. You know, they're playing closer to home. They don't really have to travel very far. But at the end of the day, USC is coming out of there. No problems. Yeah, okay. I, I, we can move on. I agree. We'll, we'll spend plenty of time talking USC and all of their lineup choices and all the things they have to go through as we see what they're doing and what lineups they end up going with, four, five, six. By the way, quick tangent. Tanner Smith being in the individual singles tournament is hilarious. Um, is he really? He got in. It's, it's hilarious. Hmm. That's... <laughs> I did not know I, that. I think they messed up. They were like, wait, did we get Keegan Smith from UCLA? No, we got Tanner. <laughs> wait, no, 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 we didn't want Tanner. <laughs> like, wrong one, wrong one. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, hey, watch him, make a, watch him make a run. Dude. What if he does? I'm, what are you more confident in? Rafa Nadal 
No. Rafa Nadal not winning the French Open or Tanner Smith winning the NCAAs? What would you be more confident picking? Uh, probably Rafa Nadal not winning the French Open. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I think that, that says my point on that topic. But we can move on to our next thing. Number nine seeds, uh, UNC playing host to uh, another very fun region. Uh, they've got in the first round a matchup with Navy, and then they would play the winner of Georgia, Elon. Georgia, 96% favored in their match against Elon. So we're going to play a little game of presumption and assume North Carolina and matches up with Georgia. This is a Georgia team that's been up and down all year long. They have Mississippi State on the on the precipice of an upset. Then they start cramping. Then they lose earlier than they would have liked in the SEC tournament. Coach Diaz rounding off to the most wins, I think, in Georgia history, about to pass Dan McGill. I mean... Any sort of upset alert for you here, Matt? No, not really. I think it could be an interesting match. I'm going to try to make it out there for that one. It's in Chapel Hill. You know, Georgia's Georgia, right? I mean, they're a premier program. They've been good for so long. They're well coached. But when you look at these lineups, and you know, I was looking at this earlier, just going down the list, I mean, I, there's no way. I just I don't see how Georgia's going to get four points against this North Carolina team. I, I, I think UNC is just too good. They're at home. You know, if it was at UGA, you know, with that crowd support behind them, maybe it's a different story, possibly. But being in Chapel Hill, I just, I I don't see a formula for getting four points. Um, I'm taking UNC. Especially given how, despite Reinberg and Zelensky being so good at one and two, I just don't see them having the weapons to hurt a Seguin or a Blumberg. I just think it's a bad matchup. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I agree with you. I would say uh, UNC, probably the prohibitive favorites to move out of that one. But let's move on again to our next region. I apologize for blowing through these so quickly. It's simply because we want to talk a little bit about all of them. Uh, The region I want to talk about next, number 10 seed TCU hosting what I believe you called your favorite region. They've got Harvard in the first round, and then they've got uh, the winner of Arizona State and Miami. For reference on slam tennis, TCU a 96% favorite over Harvard. But you look at that first-round match, Arizona State 71% to Miami, it's 29%. It's an interesting region given TCU's coming off of an early loss in their conference tournament as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think that first match between Arizona State and Miami could be better than what people think. I watched it. Could be the best match of day one. It, it really could be. Miami is is no team to sleep on, man. I'll tell you that. I saw them play several times throughout this year. They have good players, really, throughout that lineup. I mean, they're not the most skilled team, but they had a good year in the ACC, which is a super tough conference. So I think that match could be a battle. And I'm picking ASU to come out in that one, which would set up a DCU-Arizona State matchup in the second round. And I, I'm going to I'm gonna call up Seller here. I'm going with Arizona State. I think they take I, – really? I am. Yep. I'm going to pick ASU. I love the talent on that team. I've said this all year long. I think they're well coached. I love Matt Hill. Um, they just – if they could put it all together and they just play one great dual match – for two and a half, three hours, they they can win. They can beat TCU. They just can. I mean, they have the skill to do it. And so they didn't have the greatest year, but I, there's something about that team, man. I've just I like the roster. Every time I look at that squad, I'm like, that team should be really good. And if they just 
Look, they're, I was just going to say, if they play to their potential, they can win that match with TCU. And I'm just, I'm going to bank on the fact that I'm going to say they, they play their best tennis and they come out with a win, like a 4-3, uh, 4-3 win. Look, they're 13-13, and 13, but you look at some of the things, and they matched up with TCU in the Tempe Collegiate Cup early on in the year. Now, that's not an official tournament, but they did play a bunch of different matches. And to be honest, TCU sort of, sort of had their way with them. Uh, but still, you look at uh, their record, 13-13. and 13, They had a but, tough schedule. I mean, their loss at Duke 4... Well, their loss at Duke 4-3, and I say this lovingly, is probably their worst loss. But they lose, you know, 5-2 at Wake, not bad. 4-3 Th- to Oklahoma State, not bad. 6-1 at OSU, not bad. 5-2 at A&M, not bad. 4-0 at Stanford, not the best. 4-2 at Cal, not the best. But loss to USC isn't bad. Losses 4-3 at TCU, 5-2 at Baylor, not bad. And then they lost to UCLA and at USC. They, they, right. They've lost to all of the good teams they faced, and I suppose that's something you notice in this trend. But a lot of 4-2s, they are right there in those matches. You know, we're not – We're. Pr- I want to pick one top 16 seed to lose, but – you know my love affair for Reese Stalder's game, so I don't know if I can pick TCU. You don't know if you can pick TCU or can pick against them. Uh, yeah. Well, it, hey, man, you're you're free to pick whoever you like. I'm going ASU. Like you mentioned, they've been close, and they played a tough schedule. So, you know, if they do match up with, with the Horn Frogs, they're not going to be shocked. They're going to know what they're in for. So give me the, give me the Sun Devils. Am I really, though, going to take – Am I really going to take a cop out here and let you out predict me? You pick Boom. an upset before I do? <laughs> I'm going back. Give me Michigan over Baylor, but fine. Yeah, you could take this here. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, good. good. I'm envious. This is what this is telling me. I have pick envy. So well done by you, Matt Stokoic. This is why I've been trying to get you on the pod so much this week. <laughs> Love it, man. What do we got next? Yeah. All right, let's move on to our next region as well. And <laughs> Do you want to per- – no, I'm going to save that for off, Mike. I'm not going to rip on anyone, but I have a funny – I can tell you. I, mean, I can't bring it up and not say Kale really got under my skin yesterday because he tried to tell me to move on. And in case you Crack Rackets listeners are not aware, I'm quite stubborn. Uh, there's a reason these podcasts go an hour and a half, and it's because I talk until I'm done talking. Uh, but Kale was like, all right, you ready to wrap this up? And I didn't say anything. But in my head, I was like, don't you ever tell me to wrap up. Like, who the – do you think you're talking to and i mean obviously i say that lovingly kale you know i'm such a fan of yours uh but yeah i i guess what i'm saying is i'm quite envy of the job you did there matt because well done by you but yes we can move on to our next thing in fact the next region we're talking about the number 11 seeds a really fun region ucla gets such a cool rematch they if you guys remember earlier in the year they were playing a bunch of uh <laughs> I said something very in terms of calling them scrubs. They weren't playing scrubs, uh, and scrubs is derogatory in tennis. It means you suck. Um, but UCLA pulled a lot of its starters, and Grand Canyon gave them quite the test. Now UCLA gets a chance to play them full strength. I'm sure that's going to mean something. In the other match, we have Oklahoma State against Mississippi. You look at the percentages on that. Oklahoma State, a 70% chance to miss. Ole Miss is 30%. I mean, UCLA is like my litmus test of 
are you a national title contender if you're better than UCLA? In my mind, the answer is still yes. But it the constant thing to see from UCLA, can they get wins four through six? Can they win doubles points? Because if they can get even one point four through six, it just helps them so much. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're so good at the top. You know, you look at Cressy, Keegan Smith at two, and then... Do you remember the love... We've talked about it before, but just the love affair we had with Keegan Smith when we saw him last year. We were like, this guy. Oh, absolutely. He's He is that guy. He's he's a man. You gotta love Keegan Smith. Yeah, just so much talent and Nanda at three, a beast. I mean, do you... Oklahoma State... He's, he's crazy, and he's just crazy. Yeah. Like, that's... That's the other thing about it. He's he's a crazy man, but he's also awesome. with Oklahoma State having a, a lot a really good season this year. You know they have the depth where UCLA might not. This was the one I almost had on upset alert, but I'm not quite ready to pull the trigger. Uh, what, what say you? Yeah, no, I agree. I've got UCLA coming out here. I mean, I think. Oklahoma State, obviously, when you play in the Big 12, you're battle-tested. That's such a tough conference. All six of those teams are really, really good. But at the end of the day, I can't I can't pick against UCLA at UCLA with Cressy and, and Keegan and Govin Nanda. And yeah, I just I can't do it, man. I've got UCLA here. I mean, if Connor Hance doesn't get injured day one, this UCLA team is probably a top eight seed. I mean, that's the thing. They're one yeah, player away be. in the bottom of their lineup from being that much better. Mm-hmm. I have to be cre- – no, Ben Goldberg, member of the UCLA team, when we saw him in Chicago, said he actually listened to the show. And so out of love for him, give me the UCLA Bruins. So that shows personal connections. I'm very easily bribed people. So tell me information. I want to hear it. Um, but okay, let's move on to our next match. This, of course, or our next region, excuse me. This, of course, the region of the number 12 seed, Stanford Cardinals, who host Fresno State, Texas Tech, UC Santa Barbara. You look on Slam Tennis for that Texas Tech match. They are 69% favorites to UC Santa Barbara's 31%. Tech, another one of those battle-tested Big 12 teams, which, as you mentioned, all six of them get into this uh, NCAA tournament. Upset alert for Stanford, who another one of those teams, very top-heavy, not as great on the bottom. But still, I I saw them in indoors. I like them a lot. I think they get through this region. Yep, I do too. And I'm just going to call you out real quick here, Gruskin. It is the Stanford Cardinal. Did I say Z? You said Cardinals. (laughs) So not Uh, not a great shot by you. Uh, Fuck. But sure any, anyway, back to the back to the real tennis here. No, I, I like Stanford to advance. Um, kind of similarly with that last region we talked about. You know, Texas Tech, they play in the Big 12. They're battle-tested. They're, they're a good team. But I just don't like them enough to pick them over Stanford at Stanford. So I think the Cardinal make it out. And if I may, real quick on a tangent, of course, uh, I just gave you a speech on how I get mad when people tell me what I can't do, so I'm going to do this to Koyak. I apologize. Um, I feel like one of the things, if you've been listening to this podcast, you might be thinking, wow, they're picking a lot of favorites. They're not really dwelling on the upsets. And one, we're missing Chris Halioris, who adds that extra bit of spice saying, oh, well, you know, the five singles four years ago when he first started playing tennis actually had this really great ground stroke game in practice. So he might have a chance to win. And yeah, we're missing that level of depth. But there really is a divide. These top, 
you know, 16 teams that qualified. There's a reason they earned their top 16 seeds. There's a reason Slam Tennis and all the people who've been making these rankings, uh, their ranking lists so closely, uh, so closely resembled these seeding lists because these are the teams that have begun to separate themselves, particularly the top 12 seeds we've talked about. Uh, who just happen to be a gear up, and uh, especially those top eight seeds as well. Now, there's a ton of parity, one through 11, but, you know, as you get to right around there, all of these teams, there's a reason, again, they're ranked that much higher because they are just that much better. We're we're not trying to be stereotypical. We just think the things they do are a little bit better. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. And I already picked, you know, I picked one of the top seats yeah, to go down and, brainwashed and we're not them. done yet we're not done yet so <laughs> I, I may have a couple more surprises for you you know what just to stick with the theme of an upset I, i'm not taking the stanford cardinal i'm taking the texas tech red Ooh. raiders just like andy katz did no that's a lie i'm taking stanford samir kumar's my that, guy gotta roll with the midwest that's a good choice good good call grass and like i guess it comes down to if axel geller plays if he's healthy now Stanford's as good as anyone, right? One, two, three. Him, Rostart, uh, mm, Jettison, and Kumar. I, I don't know about that. I don't know as as good as anyone, but I mean, they're they're. I'm saying as good as as anyone in the first weekend. Who's like, ah, and yeah, you're right. They're not. As <laughs> I misspoke. Hey, great shot by <laughs> podcast. Yes, but okay, you're taking the Cardinal. Yep. All right, cool. Well, then let's move on to our next region, the number thirteen seed. This team. Uh, a young team, so for them to get into this spot after losing Rinderneck and Arcanada and Kipson really speaks to the year they've had. Number 13 seed, Texas A&M, hosting Texas A&M Corpus Christi in their first-round match, and then they would play the winner of Oklahoma-Arizona. Oklahoma-Arizona, one of the closest matches projection-wise of this first day of action. You look at it on slam tennis, Oklahoma 59% favored to Arizona's 41%. I mean, that matchup is going to be a day one battle as well. And you look at this A&M team, if they play Oklahoma, if they play Arizona, it's just, those. that's an interesting matchup. It's really youth versus experience, and the seeded team is the youthful one. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, you know, that first match between Oklahoma and Arizona could be good. I've got the Sooners coming out in that one, but I think it could be close. And then I think Oklahoma has definitely enough to to put a scare into Texas A&M uh but I'm not going to pick the upset there I've I've got A&M coming out of this region at one point you know they went on a 14 match winning streak which was stopped by Florida so I mean A&M they surprised me this year I didn't think they were going to be quite as good as what they have been they are very young but they've got some talent on that team and I just think you know Oklahoma's okay they're a solid team, but they just didn't do it for me enough throughout the course of the year. I'm going A&M. It was a rough Big 12 season for Oklahoma. Yeah. You look at some of their results. Uh, they obviously lose their last four of the regular season at Baylor, at Texas Tech, 4-3 at home to TCU, 5-2 at home to Texas. But they played uh, A&M earlier in the year. I believe they played in College Station. A&M ended up taking the doubles point and winning that match 4-3. But this is going to be a battle. In fact, yeah. it could uh, be. How am I going to pick? Man, this is like, I mean, uh, I want to pick an upset so badly. You know what? Have you seen enough from Oklahoma, though, to really be confident in that pick? Counterpoint. Spencer Papa and Coach Nick Crowell both came on the Cracked Interviews podcast. 
you know what, man? If that's if that's what it takes, it's, I, go ahead and. T- well, I want an emotional hedge. So emotionally, maybe I pick. Here's the thing: A and M has a ton of talent. My boy Noah Schechter, who I will say to this day, when I went down to a camp at Saddlebrook, I beat in a set. Uh, he's like seven years younger than me, but I'll take it. Um, <laughs> they're at home. They're at home. The crowd's gonna be. The crowd's gonna be juiced. Their coach looks like a living walrus. Um, hey, Steve Denton. That's not nice. A living walrus. He's not a dead walrus. At least he's living. You wouldn't say that to his face, Coach Denton. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's how you come on the Correct Interviews podcast. Look, I'd say it to his face, he'd say, Alex, you have caterpillars for eyebrows. And I'd say, Coach, now we're in agreement. And the wa- I'd say the walrus eats the pat- the caterpillar, so we're in a good place. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Um, yes, I would say it to his face. I'm, uh, maybe not. The point being, uh He would squash you. Yeah, it's just squash me because he's a f***ing walrus. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's a really he's done so much for the sport, you know. I'm just having fun. Um uh, I don't know, man. Hurry up and make your pick. Who are you taking? You're taking AM? I am. Yeah. I need to pick an upset. Give me Oklahoma, but this guarantees I'm wrong. I I'm a hunter. I just curse myself. <laughs> for sure. Um but okay, with that, let's move on to our, our last of three regions. We go to the number uh, I believe now 14 seed, which of course is number 14 Tennessee who's hosting Radford, NC State and Middle Tennessee. Now, NC State has actually put together a very good season thus far, and uh, I believe in their matchup with N- with Middle Tennessee, they are, yes, a 92% favorite, so it should end up matching up with the Volunteers. I mean, NC State's really good at one singles. They have a couple spots throughout their lineup, five, I believe, where they can certainly do damage, but I don't know, this Tennessee team is certainly playing its best tennis at the right time. Horse is going to hate me for this, but I'm going Wolfpack. Give me NC State. Wow. See, this is the first upset I should have picked, and now you've beaten yep. me to it, and I can't copy yep. you. Give me NC State, All man. Right. Look, I, again, they're in the ACC. I watch them throughout the entire season. They're very good at doubles. They they can play some dubs, and you already mentioned Alexi at number one. I mean, this, this team finished fourth in the ACC behind only Wake, Virginia, and UNC. So they can really play. I, I think this is one of those scary matchups for Tennessee. I mean, I know the Vols are at home, but man, I just if if I'm gonna pick an upset, this is one of those that I I, I feel more confident in taking this one. So sorry, Parsa, give me the Wolf Pack. And they were they were all over Wake yep. Forest as well in that ACC I'm telling you, man. final. I'm with you. I'm mad at Parsa for many reasons that we can get into off of the podcast. But, yes, give me NC State. I'm down with that. I could see Tennessee looking ahead to that rematch with Florida kind of getting caught up. But they're also an older team. They probably want to play Florida so badly. Actually, I mean, I, mean, I, won't, be, I won't be shocked if Tennessee wins, but I'm still taking the upset. All right, you know what? For the sake of us having something different, I'll bet Tennessee, and we can put, I don't know, three minutes of podcast time that you can eliminate if you want on the line. Um, All right, let's move on to our second-to-last spot. This, of course, the number 15 seed. They would match up afterwards with Wake Forest. uh, Sorry, with Texas. Illinois, who ends up hosting 
Western Michigan in their first match. Then they would play the winner of SEC tournament finalist California or Drake. You look at the slam tennis projections for this. California, I believe, is the favorite to win their match over Drake. And in fact, they are somewhere on this list that I cannot find. Uh, They are 95% favorites. They're the hot team. But Illinois... I mean, they're battlers. They love May tennis. Brad Dancer always has his guys ready to go. Illinois, the favorites here. Or are you taking the hot Cal team? Um, I'm gonna go with Illinois. But this is upset alert. Sure. I, I I think Cal is Cal is sneaky good, man. I mean, they're they're a solid team that I think could really pose some problems for Illinois. But at the end of the day. Man, the Illini always play well in Champaign, don't they? You know about that. I mean, they're tough at home. I think this could be a tight, tight match. One that I'm definitely going to want to catch some if I can. But I'm going to go Illinois in a close one. All right. Uh, yeah, give me the Illini. Uh, you know my thoughts on them. I'm pro Big Ten all the time, and we've already gone too long. So I agree. Give me the Illini. Finally, last but not least, number 16th seed, Columbia. They host Bryant, then the winner of Penn State and Monmouth. Penn State, a prohibitive favor, 99% to what? So you imagine they'll get through. I love this Columbia team. I think they're going to set up a matchup with the Buckeyes. You agree or disagree? I totally agree. I think they roll in this first weekend. They're at home. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I see them matching up with Ohio State in the round of 16. Yeah, and I think they're going to uh, perform in style. But to recap real quick, and let's just, rem- again, we'll be done with this college topic after. But to go through the picks, uh, you have Ohio State advancing, yes? Correct. Number two seed, Texas, yes? Yes. Three seed, Florida, yes? Yes. Four seed, Wake Forest? Yep. Five seed, Virginia? Yes. Want to pick South Carolina, but I'm not going to. Uh, that's an emotional hedge as well. Uh, six seed, Baylor? Yep. Uh, want to say Michigan, but I'm not going to do it. All right, I can't keep doing this. Seven seed, we have Mississippi State. Yep, no doubt. Agreed with you. Eight seed, USC. Yes. Yep. Nine seed, UNC over Georgia. Yep. Agree with you. Now we move on to the 10 seed. TCU, or are you sticking with Arizona State? Nope. Give me ASU. Oh, I love it. I'll stick with TCU, but that's upset number one. Now on to the 11 seed. Um, would you take UCLA over Oklahoma State? Yep. I like the Bruins. I'm going to do it as well. 12 seeds. Stanford, Texas Tech. Stanford. <sighs> yeah, I'll stick with Stanford. F it. Uh, 13, A&M or Oklahoma? A&M. Uh, do I hedge here? In case you forgot. Ah, whatever. We have to differentiate. I'll take Oklahoma. 14, uh, Tennessee, NC State. Give me NC State. Fine, I'll take Tennessee, but I'm doing it begrudgingly. 15, Illinois, Cal. Illinois. I'm taking Illinois as well. 16, Columbia, Penn State. Columbia for sure. And that is our college preview of the NCAA tournament first weekend. Matt, thank you for going through these as quickly as possible. Honestly, that we did it in 46 minutes. To quote Novak Djokovic and fast, Westoff, give it to me. Not too bad. Not too bad. Yep, I agree, man. It, it could have been worse. We could have kept going. So, you know, 46 minutes, we'll take it. 
Yeah, I agree. Well, then, a couple of other things I want to do. It's a weekend episode, so I want to leave our listeners on a high note. Um, Real quick on the professional side, because we did have some action on the ATP 250s. uh, First in Munich, the big result for the day. Cole Schreiber knocks out number two seed Karen Kiachnov, who just can't buy a win, 7-6-6-4. You just look at that result first. Is it Kiachnov not playing successful? Cole Schreiber playing really well somewhere in between. It's somewhere in between. I think I saw I saw a little bit of this match. I mean, Hatchinov just doesn't have any confidence right now, man. He zero. just doesn't. Zero. He's just so low. I mean, I hate to see it. I really – it was tough for me to watch some of that because, I, I mean, I felt bad for the guy. But Cole Schreiber, and I think Jamie and I were talking about this the other day. Cole Schreiber, you just know that he's going to show up. He's going to bring his lunchbox, and he's going to go to work. And he's probably going to win most of the time. So, to me, you know, it is an upset, but – I'm not shocked. No, not at all. And in fact, I mean, Cole Schreiber just played excellent tennis. And it's something he does constantly in Madrid. He seems so comfortable there, but he just executed that much better. And for the sake of brevity, you looking at... uh, forward at the matches the rest of this weekend he's now got Berrettini who knocked out Kudla 5-3, and three. Bautista Gut versus Peya uh, Fuksovic versus Chechenato and then of course the blockbuster that Kale and I talked about yesterday, Zvira versus Garin uh, Matt, give me your yep. Munich winner heading into this weekend, your prediction is? Uh, I'm going to go Zverev I picked him at the <laughs> beginning of the tournament, I think he needs he needs to do it, I, I made a I called him out and said that he needs to put his game together and win this tournament in Munich He's, he's at home. He's he got to get it going. I think this is the perfect time heading into Madrid and Rome and then obviously Roland Garros. Gimme Zverev. He needs to do it. We don't do this uh, often, but our good call, bad call, just kind of looking back at some of the things you said. I remember giving you a hard time about upsets, and I was like, oh, maybe Nicholas Jerry could make a run this week. That was a bad call. A good call we made, though, Christian Guerin making the quarterfinals. We both agreed he should do that at this event, and that he did it to set up this match with Zverev. Uh, makes us tennis fans happy because we're certainly going to get some good tennis out of them this weekend. Yeah, I agree. I'm probably going to stick with Zverev as well. It's time for him to get his act together because there's a wide-open Australian open draw uh, ready for the taking, so it's time for him to make that push. But French this, Open. Yeah, oh, French Open, what did I say? Australian. <laughs> uh, look, my brain is mush at this point. But let's move on real quick to some of uh, the other 250. That, of course, is the event in Estoril, the big result there of the day. Francis Tiafo surviving after getting broken, serving for the match at 5-4 in the third against Yoshihito Nishioka. He wins the match 2-6, 6-3, I mean, the fact that Francis was able to pull this one up after blowing it, that's something we wouldn't have seen from him in the past. So solid. So the way he embraced and utilizes his physicality he outgrinded uh nishioka which is so hard to do is a great performance from francis oh yeah i love this i mean to me this is a, a significant result for francis on the surface against nishioka who's just so tough i mean it's not gonna on paper it doesn't look like the greatest win in the world but in my book at least it was a big time step for Francis, you know, especially the the manner in which he did it too. So hopefully he can take some big time confidence from that performance and, you know, translate that the rest of this clay court season. That was awesome to see. 
And you look at it, the draw opens up beautifully for him on his half. Fabio Fognini pulled out, so he now has Pablo Cuevas, who advanced against Filippo Balde, uh, 6-2-7-5. Above him, Monfils now plays the hot, young, talented Davidovich Fokina. Uh, you look above that, Jaziri versus Gofen, Dominguez versus Tsitsipas. There are a lot of big names still alive this weekend. Yeah, there are. I mean, it's going to be tough. You know, Pablo Cuevas is obviously a veteran clay court player. So, I mean, that match, you know, that's another one. If Francis can find his way through that one, to me, that's going to be a, a significant result in a positive way. You know, people may not look at that the same way, but for me, if he can, you know, each one of these wins on this surface should really just be confidence builders for him. So, and if I could add, and if I could add to that, he's coming off of a final here last year. So any point he can defend, you know, even if it's not all the way to the finals, making the semifinals and having that extra burden of pressure, that's impressive. Yep, completely agree. Yeah. So something else to monitor as we move along. Well, then, last thing, and then I swear I'll let you go. Uh, it is finally, finally finalized. Sorry for that little bit of redundancy. Tommy Paul, the 2019 USA French Open Wild Card Champion, Tennis Sandgren loses today. Tommy gets injured, but ends up coming back and winning his third his match in the third set. Not that that matters because he has now earned himself wild card into the French Open main draw with his uh, title in Sarasota and final last week in Tallahassee. I'm just so happy that Tommy got fast-tracked back on his way to success because the injuries, given the way he ended his season last year, were just so unfortunate, and now he's got the opportunity to compete right alongside his peers, Tiafo, Fritz, Opelka, getting himself into the main draw. Just great job by him. Oh yeah, completely agree. I mean, this is what I wanted to happen. I was really hoping he was going to be able to snag this wild card. So I'm really looking forward to watching him play in the French. I hope I hope the draw just breaks right for him. I mean, I would hate to see him match up with like Rafa in the first round. I, you know, that's just, that's such a buzzkill. Like, please, like if he could just draw, you know, somebody, you know, outside of the seeds, maybe he gets a non-seeded player or something like that. I think he's got a real good shot to win a round. I really do. It's going to be fun for me to watch that. So hopefully, you know, injury-wise, he can, you know, I know he, he got hurt today. So if he can, you know, get that right, I'm really looking forward to seeing him play. Oh, I completely agree with you. It's, it's, again, so cool to see him back on the path that we all thought he could be when healthy because he is such a te- talented tennis player. But, Sukoyak, with that, any final thoughts as we head into this huge weekend of tennis? Oh, I'm ready, man. It's it's so hard to watch all this, too. I don't know. I'm going to have to have multiple screens up. I'm going to try to be in Chapel Hill on uh, on Saturday for that UNC-Georgia match. So I'm going to try to catch as much as I can, and we'll see. It should be great. Yeah, and for anyone wanting to uh, know what you're thinking, obviously they can check out your work at CrackedRackets.com. One of, if not my favorite writer on the website is you, Matt. So be sure to give Matt a, a look. He works so hard, and he would always appreciate it. So go check that out. Check out everything else on our website. Huge shout-out to our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, who have a f- been editing job to do, as always. But... For my wonderful co-host, Matt Stokowiak, who, again, a three-podcast week for him. Always appreciate that from you, Matt. From our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, and from our entire team at Cracked Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Matt, what do we say to our listeners on this wonderful weekend of tennis? That's a break. Oh, I love it, and we will see you all on Monday. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.